you know, I, I, I mean, I like, I like when I listen to the episode and it comes in and you hear us just sort of talking. I do too. I, I like that. It feels a bit more like, like, like radio. It yeah, it, radio. It, it totally feels radio. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you want to, I guess, well, I'll just, I'll just do the intro. Let's and, do it. Uh, hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP. And as usual, I am here with Father Chuck. Hey, what's up? Uh, Matt is not with us. Um, well, as you know, half of the universe was obliterated last week. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, for the good of the universe, <laughs> Matt Matt has been taken from us. Uh, he's been... <laughs> he's been uh, uh, Thanos raptured. Um <laughs> Along with Spider Man and Doctor Strange and most of the Guardians of the Galaxy and you know Nick Fury, Black Maria Panther, Hill, Black Panther, all of them, they're all they're all, they're all gone. They're all gone. Uh, no, I, I don't know why Matt's here. Maybe he'll call in later, or maybe he just maybe he did get Thanos. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's got to be Thanos. Is that the is that the is that gonna be the the verb? Is that going to be with Thanos? Tim? I think that's. I I wanted to call it uh, Bing Bonged. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> because of that's, Bing Bong from. It's like exactly the same effect. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes. And uh, and the same amount of emotional trauma that one feels yeah. watching Spider Man beg for his life. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are, are theorizing that everyone who who disappeared uh, were like sucked into the soul stone maybe bing bong is in there and <laughs> never comes back they'll bring back bing bong i don't know <laughs> i mean uh you know you know what you know what it immediately reminded me of though chuck what uh la- the x-men the last stand when uh when phoenix jean gray oh yeah would, would do that to you know like professor x and cyclops and Oh yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Just, just, just powdered them. Just, yeah. Dust in the wind. <laughs> you know when that, you know that when that movie comes out on like streaming, somebody is gonna like capture that sequence and set it to Kansas is dust in the wind. Like, <laughs> you just know it's gonna happen. Totally. Uh, yeah. So this week we're talking about the Avengers: Infinity War. Um. It's all the rave. All the kids are talking about it. Uh, Chuck, do, do do you know how much Avengers: Infinity War has made so far at the box office? I believe that it has made um, somewhere in the neighborhood of all the money. Uh, close. Um, what I'm looking at here on Deadline, it has recently topped as of eight hours ago. It has topped eight hundred fifty million dollars at global box office. Wow! Already, wow. it's on and its that, way to one billion. So wow! Because uh, that was just a week ago. Yeah, because uh, what was it? Black Panther made that in what two weeks' time? I believe so. So yeah, that's the thing about it is, I mean, we all knew it was going to make a bunch of money. Yeah, but how fast it's made that bunch of money is the really, oh yeah, a really kind of a mar- remarkable thing. I mean, it's so capitalist that we're talking about. 
the, the you know that, that that's that that's you know such an important piece but it of course translates into the the cultural interest and in what's going on with these characters yeah, it, and, and all it that. also means it also means we shouldn't worry about spoilers because according to these figures uh listener you've probably seen it yeah, right yeah <laughs> just law of averages you've seen it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I, though I, I have to, I mean, I, I think part of that figure has a lot to do with Black Panther's success. I bet everyone that saw Black Panther saw Avengers Infinity War because, you know, Wakanda's features are prominently in the movie. Right. So, but, uh, enough of that, uh, box office, uh, jive where <laughs> we're, 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 we, we like art. We support the artists, you know, we champion the artists. So we have obvious critical thoughts about this uh, wonderful piece of art that was made, <laughs> uh, the, consumer art. The, the, uh, the, the best Rapture film ever made, according to JP. <laughs> totally. My favorite Rapture ever portrayed on screen. Um, Which, no joke. Let me take a moment real quick before we get into it. No joke. During the post credit scene, yeah. it was like the cover of all those tracks that we saw as kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, the car the hits the fear, you know, Nick Fury's vehicle. They go to the. They <laughs> no go one's in, in there. Scene. No one's in there. And then a helicopter <laughs> plows into a building, just spinning out of control. So, so Doctor Strange has used the time stone and rolled back time, and Matt is back from from the dead. Matt is here. He, he is didn't no- get Thanos. <laughs> he did not get Bing Bonged. <laughs> I Bing <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Hey, Matt, how's it going? We were just talking about Infinity War. Wonderful. Obviously. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we were just talking about, how, uh, we, we talked about how, as of today, it's made uh, $850 million at the global box office. Yeah, chump change. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I guess it means they'll do a, a sequel, right? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> this franchise has legs. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Uh, and then we, Chuck and I were just talking about how uh, it might be the greatest uh, rapture movie of all time. Yeah, can I just tell you that you made that you made that comment, um, yeah. and I laughed because I went to go see the movie with my wife opening night. So just for the record, I got to be the first one to see it out of us. Um, nice. <laughs> and I turned to her as soon as the movie was done, and I was like, "Yeah, they're gonna want to talk about this." And we are definitely going to have to talk about how this is the best Rapture movie that's been made yet. <laughs> and then you made that joke. And I was like, are you kidding me? You beat me to my own joke? <laughs> I, I think that I may now have to rework the lyrics of um, I Wish We'd All Been Ready for Thanos. Um, oh, 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 my gosh. There's so much potential here. You can, we need to repurpose that song. Uh, to be about Avengers Infinity War somehow. And if we put that online, we will get like a, we'll get like all the views. I'm working on this. <laughs> I am seriously working Bustamante on this. Pedro reunion. I'm gonna. I need to find out if Kilo knows how to play that song. I'm pretty sure he does. <laughs> I'm sure it's very. I'm sure it's very simple. <laughs> um. So so Matt Chuck was just was just uh, telling our audience uh, just the kind of the similarities of like, uh, especially in the post credit sequence with um, Nick Fury and Maria Hill. When like mm-hmm. the car crashes and nobody's in it, <laughs> and, yeah. and the helicopter crashing into the building, how it sort of it resembles images from from Rapture art. Mm-hmm. So Chuck, you could I don't know if you have any other thing you want to. I no, say I mean it'd be fascinating to find out if 
the Russos were drawing on that at all when they made the movie. But I just, <laughs> when I saw it, it's like, it's one of those things where I wonder how many, how many, I mean, probably almost no people sitting around me in the theater had the same, like, frame of reference because, yeah. you know, we've grown up in a kind of a weird world where that's the kind of stuff we, that's where our brains go to right. um, with this kind of stuff. But anyway, yeah, great Rapture movie. Yeah. So, Matt, you said we don't have you for very long? No, you don't. Sorry. Okay. Uh, well, do you want to... I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you first. Um, what are your some of your initial thoughts about uh, Infinity War? Did it live uh, up to expectations? Did you... Or, I I think first of all I loved it. I thought it yeah. was great. I absolutely enjoyed it. I was really annoyed when it was done, but in the best way because it's obviously only part one. Yeah. So I was really annoyed when it just ended because we all knew it was going to happen, but I kept hoping no 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 like <laughs> they're going to tie something up, and then the end was just like okay, let's rip your heart out, stomp on it, and then make you wait a year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, not cool, Marvel, not cool. But at the same time, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it was, I thought it was a great movie. And uh, as far as living up to expectation, I think that for me, it exceeded my expectation. Because if I'm being honest, and I mean, my life's been crazy recently. So that's one thing. But to be honest, I almost like forgot this one's coming out. Like, oh, yeah oh, yeah, there's an Avengers movie coming out this month. Like, I, how did I miss an Avengers movie is opening this month? And I, I kind of, like, felt I felt like, oh, well, I, I'm sure it'll be good, but I forgot it's even coming, so what does that mean? And you know, I, I, just, I, I just, felt uh, like... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, but no, but then I was just pulled right back in and blown away, so... Yeah, I kind of felt the same way, too. And I think it has a lot to do with, like, our event films or our blockbusters are coming out, like, way earlier and, like, are, are closer together. Like, we we just had a Star Wars movie in December, and then we had, you know, Black Panther just a couple of months ago. And then just, yeah. like, two months later, we can see Black Panther again and Avengers Infinity War. And we have Solo coming out next month. So, no. or this month. Yeah, Solo, Solo comes out this month. And then we have uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. In yep. July, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's kind of like um, they they sne- they sneak up on me now in a way. Yeah, yeah. And so. I, I am I am very curious to see a movie that's going to take place between these two. Yeah. Like, is this is the Ant Man and the Wasp movie going to play into this, or is it going to be like before this happened, or? I like simultaneously running alongside it, getting ready to happen. I, you know, like they've done that before. I yeah. guarantee you, I guarantee you that there is a post credit scene in Ant-Man and the Wasp that ties into Infinity War. Man, like if it, somebody getting somebody getting bing bonged like right there at, <laughs> at the end of the movie, if it's his daughter, if, I'm going to lose my mind. Or what if it's Louise? In the middle of talking, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, man, that would be, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, because, because uh, Matt, the movie takes place, I think, like a few months after Civil War did, so it's okay, okay, hmm. so it is, so it is before these, interesting, 
Yeah, see, and that, that's what I was thinking too, Check it, that it probably is going to be a post-credit sequence, and that's probably going to be the scene where, like, yeah. someone gets being bombed. Yeah. Someone gets Thanos raptured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it, it's a rapture movie with Buffy the Vampire Slayer dusting at it. So, it, <laughs> I, well, I was wondering if it brought back any uh, flashbacks for you, uh, X Men: The Last Stand, when Cyclops sort of died in the same fashion, because you know that's how Phoenix killed people in that movie. <laughs> didn't 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 they kill Scott Summers off off camera in that movie? Yes. Yes. Was it? Oh. Yeah, it's like worse. Jeez. Yeah, because they yes. arrive at Alkali Lake and there's just his like glasses, his glasses are floating, floating there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Big middle finger to Cyclops. We got it, guys. We got it. We get it. Everybody hates him. Good for you. It's okay. He came back and now he's being played by the kid in Ready Player One. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, it's hey, okay. Hey, Matt, don't worry. In like two, three years' time, Disney will have him, and they will do him right. Mm. Totally. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I, See, cause I hope so. Here's, what, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Is they're going to fix reality with the gauntlet, like somehow, right? Probably. And then mm-hmm. what's going to happen is that is going to uh, – a couple of things are probably going to happen. It might pull in – some interdimensional cosmic travelers, a family of four, if you will, that have been <laughs> lost somewhere in the multiverse. Um, the Incredibles? And, yes. And, <laughs> and, then it, and then suddenly, maybe a year or so after the fact, people are exhibiting strange mutations. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, maybe... Uh, they'll, they'll, pull, they'll pull in a certain one-eyed character, Mike, from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> um so uh father chuck uh i assume that you also enjoyed the film i i i mean i enjoyed it so much that i started a special group just so we could talk about i i i I thought you were pretty stoked i haven't seen you stoked after a movie in a long time like that yeah i mean it was it kind of in a way it almost reminded me of of the emotional feelings that we had after we saw war of the worlds Ooh, in yeah, that, that was... which I mean, it was a very intense movie, a different kind of emotion, but that I came out of that movie and I felt, I felt heavy. I felt stress. I felt, I don't know about stress, but I felt like a weight after infinity war. And I sat in my car and I just sit in my car for 30 minutes. And I was like, I have to process this thing because the Russos managed to make me feel just some smidge of the reality that half the universe was killed with the snap of a finger. Yeah. And like I watched, I mean, I watched characters that I deeply love just disappear. And like, and like with like no grace to any of it. No, you know, they just, they just went. It wasn't like, they didn't each get this like moment of like, Oh, they're going out on a heroic. No, they're they're just gone. And right. That kind of that kind of death, that kind of loss, that's not something you see in a blockbuster tentpole film, right? That much. Um, I mean, it, it 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 was it just it was a bold, ballsy move to do that. Um, it's it kind of makes me think two things. Well, a couple of things, um, more than two things is. Um, one, 
the emotional trauma that kids must have felt when they were reading Deathly Hollows for the first time, Harry Potter right. and Deathly Hollows, and read all these you know these characters, ancillary characters that die, but like they're, they're ancillary characters, they're not like the main characters of the story that die. Um, but I mean, there's their beloved ones, you know, and, and the books are you know of course more fleshed out than they are in the movies. Um, but it also made me feel like what, and I remember this story you told me. I think it was you told me this, JP. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you read it somewhere. But that in the final Twilight film, that oh, yeah. there's this, you know, there's this protracted vision sequence where people are being like violently beheaded. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, vi- and, and little like girls who adored Edward Cullen are like crying in the theater <laughs> because they have no idea what's happening. And, I sort of feel like this movie kind of did that. Like yeah. it, it did those sorts of things. Um, but it's also the closest that I have felt to what I imagine audiences felt when the credits rolled on Empire Strikes Back in 1980. Probably. Of the bad guys kind of won. And now I have to wait a very long time to find out how this story roll wraps up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny is I, I think the trauma hit them so hard with Empire Strikes Back that people were like, he's lying. That's not true. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but uh, but but to be fair, Empire Strikes Back did not have what, 18 movies building up yeah. to it. I mean, in crazy scope of this movie, that's the other thing. I, I It's just, yeah, like 20, 20 main characters. Right. I mean, that's like about 20 main characters. Like you know, one of which is a team from an entire other franchise that's set in space, almost an entirely different genre from the other movies. And they managed right. to incorporate all of that and, the, and, of course, the Wakanda stuff in such a way that it felt like those movies. Like the Guardian right. stuff felt like a Guardians movie. Mm-hmm. Um, There's one of the things I've been, I, I, I just remember when I, first, when I saw the first Avengers movie and the first time... Tony Stark shows up on state on screen and I was very aware that it was different that right. this, because it was like, Oh, John Favreau is not directing this. And there was just, I was immediately aware that no, Joss Whedon is directing. And this is a very different, like Tony just feels different. All the scenes, everything feels different. And they didn't have, I, I just didn't feel they had that in infinity war. It felt of a piece. Yeah. Yeah, Russo's. I think they're. I think they handled it a little bit better than uh, Joss Sweden probably would have. Yeah. Um, but Matt, I want to know what Matt thought about uh, Spider-Man's last few moments because you know Matt stands pretty hard for Spider-Man. No, he, he's he's one of my favorites, and that moment was one of the worst. <laughs> um, <laughs> we just got introduced to him. It's like the first time ever that Spider-Man felt like a kid. And right. it was just pure terror was portrayed. Um, oh, yeah. And it just caught me off guard because all you usually get from him is like smart aleck comments and jokes. And he'll show emotion and it'll be powerful, but you never really see him just completely lose it. Like, I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen that really portrayed in any other Spider-Man story personally, where he completely like broke down like that. Right. Um, and it was just powerful to see because it, it was, I, I thought it was done so well. Um, just to see him all of a sudden become 
the child that he would have been if all this stuff hadn't been thrown on him and for that to happen because of the fact that he is no longer going to exist is it was yeah it was intense yeah watching it's it's you know it's kind of part of that old peter parker luck that he happens to be you know one of the half the universe that gets bing bong and uh you know you know we just saw him in homecoming and there's a scene in that movie where he kind of has that sort of sort of the same kind of raw performance when he's trapped under the rebel under the rubble Mm -hmm. and he's trying to get out of it and you know you can tell he's like i mean tom holland really sells like you know over my head struggling trying to get himself out and then um I also think uh, I mean Robert Downey Jr. in that scene as well, uh, just reacting to Peter disappearing, no. like the man who who has a machine for everything and who's always there to save the day and always has the ideas and knows what to do. He has no idea how to save this kid who's like essentially dying in his arms. Yeah, and begging I, I, him to and begging him to save him. Yeah, after he had just decided that he he wants to have a child, <laughs> right? Yeah, there is a, I, that whole sequence there. It made me, it made me realize, like, or just maybe think about, um, the certainty and finality. My finality seems one of the to say as a Christian, but like the the certainty, and I'll go ahead and just say it because there's a, it's a quality that sort of finality of death that, mm-hmm. you know, there is no machine to stop it. There is no, you know, sometimes high school age kids die and it's, yeah. a, and literally it's a roll of the dice as the movie, as the movie portrays it sometimes, you know, and mm-hmm. there, you know, not everyone gets a heroic send off. Most people die in obscurity and they die before their potential is realized and like super, I mean, Spider-Man captured all of that because he's, he's a new hero. He's a kid. You know, it, it, it was it was a bold move to have him be one of the ones who gets he gets bing bonged, um, um, at this point in his career because it would make you know if it was like you know he had been Spider-Man for several years it would have been something you know but they have him you know he's had one outing so it's like oh he's not the person that we got to know yet well yeah. that you know I. This I haven't even thought about till just now, but in the aftermath of Parkland, yeah, what a powerful thing to show, mm-hmm. and a bold thing, and maybe even a dangerous thing to show. You know, it sends a message about, you know, that it's a tragic thing when when teenagers are taken from us before their potential is is reached or whatever. Yeah, yeah or it to be so random and senseless yeah. like that. And how their teens are kind of having to confront their own mortality. Yeah. 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 So early. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Matt? No, no, no. Just agreeing. Okay. Um, so let's, uh, let's not just focus on the ending. There's a lot of movie here. <laughs> um, I'm not yeah. going to like re- I'm not going to recount the whole movie. I think we have to go through a scene by scene because so there's, I mean, there's so much happening. Yeah. Um, Un- unfortunately, that's probably about as long as I have, believe it or not. I'm gonna have to get going. The movie is good. <laughs> cool. Um, well, so I'm we don't out of like time, it. but loved it. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I'll talk to you guys later. I'm gonna let you guys run. 
Okay. I look I forward to hearing your episode in between work and hearing what you say about it. So. All right, I'll be dude. yelling. I'll be yelling at my radio. All right. See you, Officer Matt. <laughs> Talk to you later. See you, man. Bye. There he goes again. <laughs> Bing bong. Are we still recording? We are still recording. Still um, recording. So, so let me let's oh, let's, let's get down to um, this movie, and I think uh, I think a good way to sort of kind of dive into it, other than you know the shock of the ending is um, let's talk about Thanos. Thanos kind of, kind of centered a little bit in this story. Yeah, it's actually, it's his movie. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about Thanos? Um, I, 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 so I don't know much about the comic character of Thanos. I know that mm-hmm. he is, um, I know that he is uh, basically dark side from DC comics. Yeah. Um, because uh, Kirby created... Well, I guess I should say Darkseid is Thanos, right? Which one was created first? Wasn't it Thanos created first, and then he went to DC and created Darkseid? That's right. Dark Side? Yeah, that, this is one of those great inside New baseball gods. things. That's right, because um, if you ever look at Jack Kirby's comics, like, if you look at his original New God stuff, in the panels where it shows the old gods having been killed, mm-hmm. they look like the Avengers. Oh, really? <laughs> um, because he that's had a funny. falling out with Marvel, I think, and that's how he got over to DC. And DC was like, here, go weird. Do whatever you want. Um, yeah. I think the only person who didn't have a falling out of Marvel at the time was Stan Lee. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure if you had a falling out with Marvel, you were having a falling out with Stan Lee. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, um, but no, um, I, I, so, I, so, I know, so I know Darkseid. And, um, and, and, and a little bit of, of Thanos because of my interest in the character of Silver Surfer um, that I only – I have some – tangential knowledge of but um i always thought of thanos in the comics as a little bit more like dispassionate just sort of non-emotional he's just there like he doesn't have necessarily motives or anything he's just kind of a he's just like he's just a, a like a like a like a force right um and but this move but that being said and I honestly, I like that. I, I like that depiction of the of, of that kind of character. If he's anything like Darkseid in, in DC Comics, I I, I I think Darkseid is a very fascinating character in DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie chose to depict him more with more emotion. Um, right. And they me- tried to give him some pathos. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, they made him closer to a villain. Again, I, I know DC Comics more than I know Marvel Comics. Um, but they, in a lot of ways, they made him a little more, a little closer to villains from the Green Lantern series, like like Sinestro or a character known as Atrocitus, um, who both both feel that there are things that need to be done to make the universe a better place, um, but those things involve um, means that the rest of us would consider extreme or bad. Um, okay. And that being said. Like I said, I don't know much about the comic version of Thanos. I really, really liked the way they worked him for this movie. Like, I like this, I like this villain. Whether or not that villain is Thanos from the comics mm-hmm. is, is up for debate, I suppose. But I liked this villain. Um, yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 the pathos is not really there in the comics. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not a burden to bear. 
uh, he's destroying half the universe because he wants death to be his girlfriend. Right. In <laughs> uh, the comics, in case our listeners, um, you know, actually dated in high school and stuff, um, in the comic books, Thanos uh, is in love with the physical embodiment of death, which is like this really uh, hot woman with a skull for a head. Um, she wears a hood, though. She wears a hood. Um, <laughs> And she lives in uh, what is essentially a castle Grayskull uh, floating out in space. And uh, Thanos is in love with her and wants to impress her. And he, he figures the best way to impress her is to, uh, well, uh, commit, commit genocide, essentially. By, uh, and he thinks the easiest way to, to do that is to collect all these infinity stones and uh, put them in a gauntlet and snaps his fingers and kills everybody. Uh, and that's that's what happens in his uh, famous miniseries Infinity Gauntlet, which is what this is based off of. Um, so, like, the motivations are are very different, right? <laughs> uh, and that's kind of like where I, I I hate to be a party pooper, but I don't I I don't quite buy the plan, nor did I really buy his pathos. Um. Because the plan makes sense in the comics. What's the best way to impress death? Kill people. The whole thing of like using the Infinity Gauntlet was sort of just like a, the fastest way to do that without any kind of resistance. In the movie, it, it feels kind of, um, I don't know. Like if it, like his whole his whole reasoning behind wanting to kill everybody is to preserve resources and stuff, right? Essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah. It's a the, the universe is a finite place, right? And you know, with the infinite god that can basically turn you into into a god, I don't think genocide is really the best way to go about that. You know, <laughs> like right. You know, um, well, so w- unless you're just unless they're just trying to present him as a psychopath, because I I believed like that scene with Gamora. I really like that character beat with Gamora when she tells Thanos that like oh. You can't get that last stone because you don't love anything. Right. Um, I didn't quite buy that he loved Gamora and it killed her and that's how he got the stone. But I don't know. They could be going a fast one. I don't, I don't know. I, here's oh, two things. I think one is uh, it, it presents it presents um, a notion that C.S. Lewis talks about, which is that there's no, there's no such thing as an absolute evil. Um, mm-hmm. That there can't be anything absolute evil because the only thing absolute is God. Um, and so... C.S. Lewis's um, argument is that um, that all acts of evil are goods corrupted. It's a good corrupted. So everyone who's ever yeah. done something evil, they're trying in their mind. They justify. They think they're doing something good. Nobody mm-hmm. does an evil act for the sake of evil, right? Um, unless there's like something. Even even if they're mentally ill, they in their head there's still self justification. Like they have to tell themselves what they're doing is good. Right, it's that Steven Spielberg mentality of, of a villain, which is that like they all think they're doing the right thing. Right, yeah. C.S. Lewis yeah. talks about this in, in in a few places, and I, I'm sure the idea is not original to him. Um, I mean, he he himself would say that nothing he said was original; he just yeah. repeated other people. But um, um, but the the other thing is, I'm not entirely convinced that the sequel of this will not reveal that there was an ul- there was an ulterior motive. Because, right. like you said, if he's got the power of a god, he could have made the universe bigger. He could have, you know, made people <laughs> less dependent on resources. He, I mean, there's any, you know, there's literally infinity things he could have done. 
Yeah. Um, and instead he chose to kill half the universe. And I'm almost wondering if it may turn out that it was still to impress death. But that would be that would be cool. I, I, I mean, it, I, I wish they kept that in there. Noble. Yeah, I wish they kept that in there. <laughs> like, I don't know why they changed it. I, I, I love the idea that he's just trying to hook up with death. <laughs> well, and that's kind of what they hinted at the end at the teaser, the first Avengers movie. Yeah. You know, there are people. But who, yeah, yeah. The whole thing about what courting is, death. Right. He said to, to challenge Earth would be to court death. Right. They cut to his face and he smiles. Right. So. Um, but I would. Um, um, that being said, I, I hope if they if they go that route, I hope that Hela is death. In there. <laughs> I did, too. Um, yeah. And what well, but what would be interesting, though, because now there's something we can debate because we talked about the Gamora scene. Yeah. You know. Very early in the movie, Gamora makes a comment to Star-Lord that she knows something that no one else knows. Right. And that because of that, when the time comes, Star-Lord has to kill her. Yeah. Um, And she can't tell him this because if he knows, then that basically means that he has to die, too. Right. The movie presents that as the that she has the knowledge of where the soul stone is. Yes, that's, I mean that's what I that, that's what I was picking. But up I'm there. wondering if there's more to it than that, because she could have just very simply said to Peter Quill, "Oh, I know where the Soul Stone is. I can't tell you because if I tell you, you die, and I can't tell you how to get it. And I you're right, and I can't tell you how to get it or any of that stuff. Like she couldn't have done yeah. that. But I'm almost wondering if she was telling him because he loves her. That if he kills her, he gets the stone. Like she, like maybe she actually knows something about the stone. And I understand that in the comics, it's been presented that when someone's love is greater than the sacrifice made for the stone, then the stone, then the stone will will shift allegiance. Really. So. So. Obviously, Peter Quill's not around anymore, so he can't tell them that information. But right. it does make me wonder if, um, if like, say, Wanda's sacrifice of vision mm-hmm. will, like, happen to have jarred the stone or, or something like that. Um, refresh my memory. Did, did the gauntlet get destroyed after he snapped his fingers? Um, that's what a lot of people are saying, but he's wearing it at the very end of the movie. Like it's like, it's like it's bonded to his arm or something, but yeah, it's like huh. all damaged. His arm is all scarred up and it looks like it's kind of busted. Cause part of me is wondering if like, if we, when we, if we return to Thanos and Avengers four, like what if he just goes, goes ahead and just destroys a gauntlet and all the stones just so people won't like, you know, try to reverse it and he doesn't have to like deal with this all over again. But I don't know. Yeah, my my, um, my other thing is I think that there's more going on with the time stone. Yeah, I, th- I I've heard that too. That uh, Doctor Strange kind of knew what he was doing. Like I, I don't where he where he handed over the time stone. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, because he had seen like over 14 million possibilities, and only yeah. one of them they succeed. And then yeah. right before he hands the stone over to Thanos, he looks at Tony Stark and says, "This is the only way." Yeah. 
Um, really great shot, by the way. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Doctor Strange in this movie? He's a badass. <laughs> Had you seen Doctor Strange yet? Yeah, I like I like I like yeah, the okay. movie. I like Doctor Strange. I mean, it was sort of a by the numbers, you know, origin yeah. story. But um, um, I loved him in this movie. I loved him in the movie too. Um, More than his than his actual movie. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think like this movie demonstrated that some of these characters work much better in a supporting role. Yeah, like I, I think Doctor Strange probably works better as like an exotic side dish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like yeah. Vision. Vision's another one. I don't know that I can yeah. watch a whole movie about Vision, but he's definitely, and like they've they've kind of demonstrated that about Hulk too. That Hulk is a. Yeah, I think at least until they finally decide what to actually do with him in his own movie. Right. <laughs> it's a, he's in a good place. Um, um, I thought that was I thought that was actually really funny. By the way, the fact that Hulk didn't want to come out because right. he like because he got. The crap beat out of him by Thanos. Which, by the way, is a great callback. When when Thanos beats him up, it's a great callback to exactly what he did to Loki in the first movie. Yeah, pretty much. And also like that Loki says, we have a Hulk. Yeah, that was great. Which I was a, one of those callback. moments, both, like, it reminded me of the first Avengers where I forgot that Thor was in the movie until, like, when Thor makes his appearance, I got excited. Oh, that's right, Thor's in this. That yeah. I, then when he said, we have a Hulk, I was like, oh, that's right, Hulk. Hulk is on the ship with them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I was missing, though, uh, Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Apparently she's filmed a scene for the next movie. Okay. So. Yeah, and also Korg, right? Is yeah, that the Korg guy? Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they died. Mm. What did you think of uh, Loki dying and stuff? Yeah. Um, this whole scenes with Thanos. Yeah, I thought that scene was good. I think it, it did a really good way of clo- a good thing, a good job of closing his arc. Yeah. that you know largely kind of comes through the first avengers movie like if you just look at the three avengers movies it does i think a really good job of of um well i guess he's not really plus, in the second plus one thor. yeah 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 but i would say it does a really good job of closing his arc that it the at the he, he that he he does his deception thing but he's doing his deception thing for noble purposes not right. to actually he's not actually trying to screw thor over and that his last words are, you know, I am, you know, the son of Odin. Yeah. Um, and um, I thought that was a, you know, and then, of course, Thanos saying no resurrections. Right, right. Which, no, no resurrections this time, which is sort of, that set the tone for the whole movie. Yeah. Um, I really loved, uh, so my, my biggest fear going into this was how the Guardians of the Galaxy we're going to be handled. Yeah. Um, because y'all know me. You saw how I reacted to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Love that movie. I love the Guardians. They are my friends. You mess with them, you mess with me. <laughs> and I was I was actually, I've been very worried of having them out of the hands of James Gunn. Because I feel like so much of what makes him great is because of James Gunn uh, writing and directing. Right. Um. So yeah, putting the hands of somebody else. Even though the Russos are are trusted directors, they did they made Winter Soldier, which is my favorite Marvel movie. Uh, Civil War was really well handled. Um, it was just great, kind of just great filmmakers all around. Um, I was I got a hand to them. I was surprised, and uh, I think he did a really good job handling them. Well, it helps that Scott Gunn wrote the dialogue for the Guardians. Scott Gunn did. Uh, yeah. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Did I that say, does help a lot. Did I say James Gunn? James Gunn. James Gunn. Yeah, you director. just said Scott Gunn. 
You said Scott Gunn. Okay, James Gunn. <laughs> okay, I didn't know he wrote the dialogue. He wrote the dialogue. That's interesting. Well, that helps too. Yeah, that does help a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing I didn't like, and this is sort of a common criticism I have for the movie, um, but it is to sort of be accepted because of what Marvel's doing. I kind of feel like there were some moments that didn't have a whole lot of payoff or moments that were sort of accelerated um, that weren't really that deserved. And one of the things concerning the Guardians of the Galaxy is um, Gamora and Quill's relationship. Yeah. Like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy ends with them not getting together because, you know, they're obviously not ready to be together because uh, Quill says issues will work out. And then, like, halfway through this movie, they're, like, professing their love for one another. Right. I felt that was a little too accelerated for my for my taste. Yeah. But you have to remember this movie takes place years after Guardians Does it? 2. Yeah. Yeah, James Gunn said that the post-credit scene in Guardians 2 with with Teenage Groot is like 3 yeah. years in the future. Oh, I didn't know three. that. Yeah, cuz Guardians 2 takes place only like 6 months after Guardians 1. Huh. Okay. Well, still, though, like, just narratively, you know? Yeah. Um, know, it's things like that. And that's sort of a common criticism. There was this big uh, New York Times, not New York Times, uh, New Yorker piece by um, 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 famous New Yorker critic. I think his name is Richard Brody. Um who his main complaint was that characters were just sort of, uh, just sort of dove in. Like they weren't introduced. They weren't, um, given time to familiarize themselves with each other or, or even the audience, you know, when Spider-Man shows up, he shows up, you know, when, when uh, Tony Stark and Pepper Potts are just jogging through, you know, Central Park, you know, we should already know who they are and what their relationship is and what they've been through. Um, so that's sort of the big criticism right now amongst a lot of uh, film critics is that, like, because of the nature that it's a serialized thing, like, Marvel has kind of fully embraced that. Whereas in traditional sequels, like, you're kind of given time to ease back into the world, kind of get caught up on the story, caught up on where the characters are, and they kind of build from that. This one, it's like, you should have already seen all these 18 movies <laughs> when you, when you kind of came in. If you saw this movie without seeing anything else, you're probably going to be very lost. Right. Well, how, what, what, what was, what is your response to that sort of criticism, Chuck? Um, well, I can see why people make it because it's, I, 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 I will say that it, it, it's one of the, my issues It's one of my criticisms of criticism, um, is that a lot of film criticism that I've, that I see tends to sometimes come from this place as though there is an objective standard in which movies are supposed to conform. Right. And I don't believe in that. Okay. Um, but I also do understand the craft of using like the camera and all of that for storytelling purposes and, and that kind of, like I get, I get some of that. Um, I think this is a, that these movies are sort of disruptive to that conventional way of doing movies. Yeah. Um, 
And because it's not conventional wisdom, that's why the critics have a hard time accounting for it because they're accustomed to a certain type of conventional approach to these things. Right. Um, and, I, and I think we see that a lot, right? Like movies come out, critics, you know, movies, music, whatever, some kind of art comes out that critics hate, but audiences love. And then in a generation or so, critics come back and, re, and, and, and embrace it. Because, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like when Black Sabbath first came on the scene, like Rolling Stone and other places didn't know how to account for it because they just didn't have mm -hmm. the framework with, you know, it's like, well, no, this isn't rock and roll. Rock and roll is this, this, and that, you know, like it's just so new. Or, that it, or hip hop. Or hip hop. Right. That's it. That's it. That's probably a better one. Um, Which I, I, I might have stole from Devin Farachi. That's because <laughs> he, he talked about this subject. But, on his um, website. but I think that, um, but I think that. On one hand, I get again, I get the criticism, mm -hmm. but the, at the same time, I feel like the Marvel knows everyone has seen the movies before this one. Like, if you're going yeah. to see Avengers: Infinity War, chances are you've seen all 18 previous installments of this thing, or at least a good chunk of them, or at least a good chunk of it. You're going because yeah. you care about these. It's it's basically it's like it's the most expensive television series like ever produced. Basically, I mean it's 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 like a soap opera. In yeah, the, I, I I feel like critics like Richard Brody are sort of like they're they're paying a little too much mind to like their grandmother taking <laughs> their grandchildren to go see a movie on some kid's birthday. Grandma hasn't seen you know the other Avengers movies, but the kid has seen everything else, and it's like, what about her? She doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't care about her. Um, <laughs> Nobody does. She doesn't care either. <laughs> um, I um. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of my feeling. The other is I, I, I get people saying that, and I, and I, you know, it does assume a lot from the audience. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, the Guardians of the Galaxy, that's actually not who this movie's about. This movie's right. about Thanos, yeah. And these people that we know and love are basically ancillary characters to the villain. Mm -hmm. It's an inversion of what we're used to in these stories. It's the villain's story. Right. In, in, in many, many ways. Um, and so, you know, we don't need, I don't think we need more from, I, I think the little bit that we get at the beginning of Tony and Pepper and their conversation, which builds off of her appearance at the end of, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, right. That's all we need to know about Tony at this point, because we've got three movies of his storyline and his arc. And it gives us enough info to know that, you know, he's, he's sort of, he's still, he's still kind of dealing with his paranoia and his mm. need of a security blanket. And now he wants to have kids. And he's also been sort of a surrogate father to Peter Parker. It gives us just enough information so that we know the impact at the end of the movie. Right. Um, I um, but I but but I also I I will say that I I came into this really wanting there were a lot more character a lot more character moments I wanted to see like I wanted to see more interaction between Bruce and Tony I wanted to see more with Captain America and Natasha um, oh yeah which I understand that Captain America was was very on the peripheral in this, right this movie too but I understand that according to the Russos this one they said that. Basically, everyone who is sort of sidelined in this one is going to be the main mm -hmm. focus of the next one. That makes sense. I figured that would happen. Because the people who are sidelined in this one, for the most part, they didn't all disappear. 
Right. Like, and the most people, like, the, like, all the Guardians are basically gone except for Rocket. And I guess if you count Nebula as one of the Guardians, she's still around, too. Right. So everyone who went off-world, they all pretty much disappear except for Nebula and Tony. And everyone that's in Wakanda, I mean, for the most part, I'd say that could be half of them are still there. Right. You know, Captain America's still there. Natasha's still there. Uh, Hawkeye, I, maybe? <laughs> yeah. That's the only one not accounted for is Hawkeye. What's well, and Ant-Man. Ant-Man, too, yeah. But we'll see that we know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, that makes sense. Uh, but I was just I was just thinking, by the way, uh, as you were talking about Tony's arc, um, how how like and, and I feel like I think this is amazing. But I feel like critics like Richard Brody would probably think like that. That's wrong. That's not how you do cinema. We have like a whole arc. A whole character arc that takes place over a series of movies where that character is not the main character. Right. Like, Tony is not really the main... Like, Tony, he, like... I, we have our three Iron Man movies, and that's basically what they do, right? They have your, your three movies, and then you're, you're done, basically, I guess. Um, at least that's just the idea I get. But since Iron Man 3 has come out, we've had Age of Ultron, Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, um, which Tony was in all three. And, like, his arc is, like, is still going throughout those three films. Right. I think that's and in this movie, I think it's amazing. Like, totally. <laughs> like we get to see a character keep going through other people's movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff that when I was a like, kid, I wanted like to real see comic in, books. Right, this is the kind of stuff I wanted to see in movies as a kid. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I always wanted to see that that kind of. You know why? Why? Why can't you know, shared universes was such a cool concept to me as a kid. Why can't we have that yeah. in movies more? You know why does it have to be like really goofy? You know, like yeah, stuff like Freddy vs. Jason. Like why can't it be? <laughs> well, Kevin Smith tried it and he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I also. I mean, I think a little bit about uh, I think it's Scott Wampler, a Wampler over at um, at Birth Movies Death, who said that um, that. When he was like twelve, or whatever, he saw Predator Two, and at the end of Predator mm-hmm. Two, there's that uh, yeah. brief glimpse of the alien skull on the Predator and the Predator ship, and that right, opened yeah. the mind of possibility. Oh, they share, they inhabit the same universe. Yeah, um, you know that kind of stuff. Like that's all we got as kids. We just got little, you know, like in um, in Batman and Robin. There's that comment about, you know, Robin's like, you know, I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna take off and go to Metropolis. Right. You're like, oh, that's right. Superman's out there somewhere, but we don't get to see. Yeah. Him. Why don't we get to see Superman? You know that. And it, is it the Christopher Reeve Superman it. he's talking about? Is it? <laughs> yeah. It's like there are these little. I mean, they had these little asides. You know, they would make these little aside comments about you know to let you know it was a bigger world, but it didn't show you the bigger world. They just sort of acknowledged it. Um, yeah. But now we're in an age where they're showing it. Yeah. And I I think it's I think it's really cool, and I think like. I don't know. I, I, it's just it's it's inevitable, you know. Like this is this is the future of cinema. Yeah. If you ask me, <clears throat> um, it's going to take a while for other people to catch up with Marvel because, as people have found out, <clears throat> Universal, uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's very difficult, and you know, even Marvel kind of, in my opinion, sort of stumbled on its way to where they are now. Um, DC is well; they're getting there. Uh, thanks to Marvel, mostly. <laughs> um, 
but uh, I don't know. I, I just think I find that fascinating that we get to see a character's art continue through other people's films. Um, what else? Um, I don't know, there, there are some really great, funny moments. It's it's funny as usual. Yeah. Uh, I I there are so many like fist pumping moments. Like I, I love the part where Thor returns with Storm with Stormbreaker. Yeah. Uh, with Rocket and Teen Groot <laughs> or. <laughs> Rabbit in the tree. By the way, <laughs> someone I read sort of pointed out that there's that little like throw off joke that throwaway joke that Thor speaks Groot. <laughs> and if you notice, okay, so he speaks Groot. Yeah, I and didn't he notice. Refer, and he refers to Groot from that point forward as Tree, which yeah. means that's Groot's name. <laughs> that probably is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I thought it was really funny when Groot saw Captain America and said, I am Groot. (laughs) (laughs) I am Steve Rogers. (laughs) That was great. And then just Bucky picking up rocket and using him as a machine gun, like wonderful moment. And I, I love that we've gotten to the place where you've got a sequence where a guy with a robotic arm, who's a, who's a hundred year old assassin yeah. standing next to a cybernetically enhanced raccoon from outer space, both wielding <laughs> machine guns, and nobody bats an eye at how weird. And they're fighting, like, six-legged aliens that have busted through a force field around a hidden African super future city that – and nobody – at this point, we as a society are like, yeah, that's a normal thing that happens. Like, it, 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 no one stops to think about how bizarre this is. Yeah, and I have to admit, I was super disappointed, though, because as soon as it was announced that they were making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie and Rocket Raccoon was, was going to make his big screen debut, everyone knew right then and there, oh, they're going to be in an Avengers movie one day. And I get to see Tony Stark interact with a raccoon. I've been looking forward to that for years. <laughs> and I have to wait another year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because they didn't get to meet each other. I want to see um, where Raccoon sees an actual raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I got to say that I did appreciate in the beginning of the movie, there's the, the part when, um, when Tony encounters the, the, the wizards. Um, yeah. You're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. And he kept making co- jokes about how weird it is. There are wizards. And it's, it's like, <laughs> but to us, the audience, really, that's not weird at all. And I, it, <laughs> yeah, like, we've been following these people all along. Um, but it felt, I, I think of all of the, of all of the event, of the other three Avengers movies, this is the one that really captured the awe of the first Avengers of seeing all these people together on the screen. Yeah. And the fact that it worked. This I captured that it, again. Yeah. I, 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 one thing I noticed is uh, they didn't have the, the hero shot. In this one. Well, because at no point were all of them together. Yeah. So I guess maybe we'll get that in the Avengers 4 and that'll be, it's going to last like five <laughs> minutes long with, you know. Yeah. That's going to be glorious. Um, yeah. Um, I had a thought and I lost it. It got bing uh, Your thought got bing Peter Dink- I guess My thought got bing Uh Peter Dinklage makes a great appearance. He does. He does. I, I, I love I love his appearance. I love that he just plays a giant dwarf. 
Yeah, and, and I, I thought he stole his. I mean, he stole the show when he came up. If you ask me, and I, I love his interaction with with Thor and with Rocket, and even uh, even Groot. Um, I'm trying to get back to what I was thinking about. Oh, right, the Black Order. Yes. which are his. I totally forgot uh, Thanos's, the, the, the Black Order's in this movie too. Yeah, uh, Thanos's lieutenants, basically. Yeah. Um, what do you think about those guys? Eh. I mean, I don't know eh. enough about them to, to like. I know they have the most ridiculous names. I love their names. I'm looking them up right oh, now. Proxima Midnight. Proxima Midnight. That's that's the 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 female one with the horns. Yeah, Gage. Something. Um. Hold on. I got this. Corvus Glaive, Proxima Midnight, Ebony Maul, and Cull Obsidian. That's awesome. <laughs> so Proxima Midnight is the woman. Right. Ebony Maul is the guy that could control everything. Right. He was actually, I think, he was, I, he was a great character. I loved him. I loved him in Doctor Strange uh, battling. By the way, he... Cool. he God, I forgot. Man, now you brought this up, I forgot. This, this movie is huge. It, they, they pack so much into this movie. Um, yeah. He, he, he looked like, um, I think he looked a little bit like Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> really? You thought so? From Ghostbusters Yeah, a little, I hit the hairline. He has the same hairline, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. The same hairstyle. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Cole Obsidian was the big one, the big dumb one. Who lost his hand in the the Doctor Strange portal? Yeah, which, by the way, why they didn't use that to get the Infinity Gauntlet off is a very good question. Everyone say that. I don't see the logistics and how how that would work. I know they, everyone was using like they were working at full powers to keep keep him subdued. But um, but that that scene was pretty cool where they almost had him. Right. I think that's one of the reasons why why, why I like Thanos. Like I, I have my criticisms about his motivation and stuff. I don't think his plan is that great. His motivations are that great. But I do like his performance. I thought James Brolin did really well. Um, um, but that scene, I like his resolve, you know? Yeah. And I like that he, he, he's powerful enough to be a threat, but also I can believe that like maybe five Avengers can take him down. Right. Maybe like one day they probably could. Um, and that's another thing I like, like the Avengers films, the first Avengers and the second one, I was never really threatened by what was happening. Like, you know, you kind of knew it was going to happen pretty by the numbers. Like his Thanos and his little lieutenants, like I actually thought that, yeah, this is pretty, how are we going to get out of this one, boss? You know, like, yeah, I thought they were pretty threatening. Um, so yeah, I think Cole Obsidian is one is a big one. Uh, Ebony Maw is the guy that controls everything. His fight with Tony is great. And I love the scene where <laughs> Spider-Man's like, this really old movie called Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> He's just blowing him out of the hatch. Which is a callback to, uh, to Civil War. Have you seen this old movie called Empire yeah. Strikes Back? <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh, Corvus Glaive is the one that kind of looks like a, a scroll. Yeah. Which are supposed to be in Captain Marvel. Yep, the scree- the Cree Scroll War is supposed to be happening in that movie. <clears throat> um, but yeah, um, cool villains. Um, it's a yeah. I mean, the thing for me is the movie's a lot of fun. It's really well done. It's it's everything you want a big like just. I mean, 
It's epic. It is legitimately an epic movie. Yeah, it almost too big. Huge. Um, but it is the themes. Like that's the thing is it's not. There is substance behind the spectacle, and I love mm-hmm. that we are living in that we are living in a time where. You know, to, to counter to counter your your critic that you talked about. Yeah. That we live in a time where we can actually expect our audiences to have to know things before they walk into the theater. Um, right. And that, and it, and it, it, but, you know, it's like, here's a bunch of, like, mundane superhero trivia that we expect you to know when you walk in. But while you, while you can pride yourself on that, we're actually going to give you some heavy thematic stuff. Like, mm-hmm. here's a movie about, about the unavoidance and suddenness of death. Right. You know? Here's, here's a movie about powerlessness. That's what this is. I mean, right. it's as heavy a theme. The, the, the theme of this movie is as heavy as, um, and it's like that, the, hope, the, the sort of helplessness of melancholia. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah. yeah what I a love depressing that movie. movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is kind of like the sort of the popcorn version of that. Yeah. I could see that. For audience members who's never seen um, a Lars von Troyer film, um, uh, it, uh, especially um, Melancholia, it's a movie about a rogue planet smashing into Earth, and it is the single most depressing thing you will ever see because the planet smashes into Earth. Everything dies. It's, um, yeah, I love that movie because for a movie about something as popcorny as a planet smashing into earth um armageddon style um it really is just about depression right um i guess i don't want to get too into the movie but like i love kirsten dunce's character is exhibiting like horrific clinical depression and when she finds out that the earth is going to be destroyed she's okay yeah <laughs> that's sort of a common depression that people who are depressed are more prepared to uh take on like disaster yeah but i think that but i think that this this had that kind of heaviness to it that sense Mm -hmm. of you know that i mean the the last word the last words the fat the final line of the movie is captain america saying oh god yeah yeah and the final Ugh. shot, if you don't count the if you don't count the post credit scene, the final shot is the villain looking at a sunset with a with a smile of satisfaction on his face, just hanging out in the Shire because he won. He's in the Shire, <laughs> his, his little Thanos Shire. <sighs> um, bold, it's a bold movie, and, and I gotta then, say though. Not a movie I would take kids to go see. Um, I mean, some torture, like some pretty, like like the whole scenes with Nebula are pretty. It's pretty heavy. Uh, yeah, that was and and heavy. also what they do to Doctor Strange, and uh, even though he is like awesome in his way yeah. of handling that, he's kind of like he's kind of like Bond in um, Casino Royale, where he's like, you know, yeah playing with this chapter a little but uh some some uh something i noticed about thanos uh big fan of bubbles yeah that's a that's an interesting one <laughs> just an interesting turning choice. everything into bubbles yeah that's an interesting choice why bubbles <laughs> 
Did you also notice that when the uh, when the title Infinity War when it like when it got bing bonged at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. um, the last uh, two things that remained were two eyes, like the number two. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I noticed that. That's pretty cool. Um, uh, quick thing, what did you think about uh, Red Skull showing up? Oh, that was awesome. Being, yeah, I was really surprised. Because at I first I saw that character and I was like, oh, we're going to see Death. Here's Death, who he's actually in yeah. love with. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's Red Skull. When I heard the voice, I was like, that sounds like Hugo Weaving. They get Hugo Weaving. Wait a second, here's Red Skull. And then Red Skull. But it wasn't Hugo Weaving, though. Yeah, I know. It's that um, his name is Ross Marquand. He did a really good impersonation yeah. of Hugo Weaving, though. Yeah, he, he does. That's what he's known for. He does impressions on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> uh, he does like a really killer Brad Pitt impression. I was actually wanting to ask Matt what he thought about that because uh, I showed him a bunch of Ross Marquand videos one day uh, because he's actually like like YouTube him. He's really funny. He does great impressions of like everybody. Um, but that was pretty cool. I mean, I guess we're gonna get somebody. Uh, yeah, someone that sound just like him. Um, but I, I don't know. Does that mean the Red Skull? died or did he survive the, the the thing at the end of first avenger or i think it's because he 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 held the he held an infinity stone that he sort of cursed and so he's probably in a state somewhere between life and death probably um but it does open the possibility for him to somehow come back as a villain and he's one of the better marvel villains um so cool I, well, that's I, the other thing is, is, is yeah. in this whole resurrection thing, you know, if, I mean, obviously, obviously we're going to return to a, some form of semblance of a status quo. Um, right. Yeah. For the net, for the, I mean, the, the writers finale. are saying no. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, I mean, I've seen some stuff online where interviews are there, they're, they're like, I think people are going to be really surprised about what we're not going to bring back. I mean, I'm, I'm willing they to could bet. Be, I mean, they could be fooling us. But. Right, that's true. But I'm willing to bet that Loki is dead. Um, in, in his current form, he may come back in, in another form, like a female Loki that's been in the comics in the past. Um, oh, yeah. uh, I'm willing to bet Gamora's dead. I'm willing to bet that's permanent. That hurts. Um, Spider-Man, probably not dead. No, I don't think, not, no. Um, <laughs> they, they spent too much time trying to get Spider-Man from Sony. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's possible that the next Spider-Man movie could be like a Miles... I was thinking about that too. Like the next, maybe Miles who's Morales. to say the next Black Black Panther movie isn't about Shuri? Yeah, becoming Black Panther. If that's the case, I mean that's going to be really bold. But I have a hard time buying that they would do that. Yeah, um, and um, I really do. Um, and uh, and uh, Doctor Strange is totally coming back. Yeah, yeah. The Guardians of the Galaxy are coming back. Let's just be honest; <laughs> they're not. <laughs> Because they've got a third movie coming, even though I know James Gunn has said that they're not all going to be back for it. So I, I, I'm mm. taking that as it's a hint for that Gamora is probably not in it. Maybe yeah. Groot's not in it. I don't know. Um, but I, I have a hard time believing Peter Quill is dead. Me too. Chris, I Pratt, don't think that he's too bankable a star to just and <laughs> and and to have and to have those characters die in another person's film is kind of. I just don't yeah. see. I don't see James Gunn going for that. Me neither. Um, I could see him going for Gamora, though. I could see him going for that because you know her arc is tied up in Thanos. I could see that. And... <laughs> it hurts me so much. <laughs> I love Gamora. 
but to be, but I love, to be, I mean, I love all those characters. But. but to be fair, to be fair, um, Guardians Three could, like the other Guardians, be set before all of this. In which That's case, true. you know, because you know, that way you could flesh out how Peter Quill and Gamora fell in love and get that bit of the story and all that. Um, right. But um, I just have a hard time believing that. Um, what I, I mean, I think that. I think people are going to make exchanges. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put money on that Captain America dies. That's kind of what everyone I think has been anticipating for a while. And what I think is going to happen is he's going to be permitted to use the time stone to get that dance with Peggy. <laughs> yeah. Before he goes. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Um, I, and I have a feeling it's going to be heartbreaking. Uh, I but I think he's going to do that in exchange for Tony. Um, and I think after this, Tony, um, you know, Tony's done. And, right. you know, he'll probably, you'll probably see him take the chess piece that he has and get rid of it. And he's just done as Iron Man. He'll probably hand it off to someone else or whatever. Um, and I don't see Robert Dunn Jr. like ever saying no to appearances. Right. Like, I feel like he's sort of in it for life. <laughs> just, I mean, just out of, not, not out of like any kind of contractual obligation, but I, I have a feeling that Robert Downey Jr. just, I think he loves Marvel. I think it was being part of it. Yeah. But I think that like Russo's and Kevin Feige and all these people saying that they're not going to return. I, I don't think the status quo, I don't think it's just going to be like, oh, this movie never happened. Like, right. I think that there will be ramifications of it yeah. that, are, that, that there won't, it won't just go back to what it was before. Like, things will change as a result of it. I think they're accurate in making those statements, but I have a hard time believing that half the universe is going to remain dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, may, I mean, hopefully iron fist disappeared and <laughs> maybe he'll never come back. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Good news. Everybody, everybody came back, but we had to keep Danny Rand in the soul stone. <laughs> <laughs> he volunteered. He volunteered. <laughs> he he liked it in there. He said it allowed him to. Yeah, he totally volunteered with my my foot on his neck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never seen any of those shows. <laughs> um, Iron Fist sucks. Um, well, so yeah, I think that's all I got. Um, unless there's anything else you want to say about Avengers: Infinity War. No, but I I <laughs> I. I, I I, I do want to say that I appreciate that you have watched Cobra Kai and that you think it is good because I, I am, did watch the first two episodes of Cobra Kai. I am very excited to watch it. It's good, man. I, I love it. <laughs> like so I've watched good. the previews and I, I'm aware of how incredibly corny it is, but I'm, I'm on board. And I got to say, I like, I like at least the way the previews present it, that LaRusso is kind of a jerk. He totally is, but he's very understandable. He's, 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 he's just, when you first introduced him, um, it, he really is just Daniel LaRusso. He's, just, he's a little cockier, but he's grown up and he's found tons of success, you know? And he's, he's nice to Johnny. He tries to help him out a little bit. Johnny has a pride problem. You can see there's some tension there still. But once he, but, but once he brings back Cobra Kai, that's a Daniel LaRusso. I was like, no. Right. Can't do that. Nope. Yeah, I'm just, um, I just, I, 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 but I like that it's not where like 
I, I, it's, it's a bold move to take it to this direction and to have, um, you know, LaRusso, like he just turned out to be a car dealer. Like he's not, he's not some like all state. He's not, he's not the new Miyagi. He's not well, some. It, it occurred to me while watching it. I didn't, I didn't put it together. I was all this time knowing that he was going to be a, a car leadership owner. When he was with Miyagi, Miyagi taught him how to fix cars. Yeah, that's the, the first movie's all about that. Yeah, yeah, he told him, he just taught him how to restore all cars and stuff. He gave him that car to go on his date. So right. like, yeah, he knows everything about cars. He's, yeah, it totally he's fits the character. Miyagi. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that until I was watching it. Yeah, and um, but I like that they didn't turn him into some kind of like super champion karate guy. That yeah. Like it's been part of his life, but now he's got a car dealership and a family and he's a little bit arrogant and, and a little bit corny and like the commercials, he's like doing karate moves on like the prices and stuff like that's fun. Like, I like that. I like that they allowed, you know, it, it, it cuts through that whole like sort of that sort of um, um, wish fulfillment thing where, oh, he got the girl and now he's the hero and he's the hero for life. That right, he's a yeah. normal dude, and he 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 actually has a pretty normal life, and he's just sort of, you know, he's he's not cool anymore, and that's okay. It's okay that he's not the coolest like badass guy. He's he's like a local celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like the weird counterpart to me in my head is I think of um, I think of the Die Hard movies. I think of John McClane, where yeah. what made Die Hard amazing is that he was just an average cop. He wasn't anything special. And he found himself yeah. in this situation, but now he's like a superhero in the newer movies, um, instead of an everyman. Um, mm-hmm. I like that they didn't go that route with because that seems to be what I would what I would have expected them to do, and instead they took the they made the choice of having, yeah, this beloved childhood character as he's a local celebrity. He's he's not a big deal. Yeah, I was kind of wondering if they were going to just sort of like switch up and make Daniel like an actual villain, like someone that we actually all kind of disagree with. But yeah, it's a more complicated than that. He's actually still a nice dude. And I think where the struggle is, is that like all the nerds are being trained by Johnny. Right. And LaRusso is actually having to deal with like his teenage daughter and her friends who are all like the bullies. Oh, interesting. So it's like. You know, it, it opens up with Johnny, you know, beating up these teenagers who are wailing on a little kid. Yeah. On this other teenager. And those teenagers are actually all friends with Daniel LaRusso's daughter. Okay. Who's, like, struggling to become, like, the popular girl and stuff. Interesting. All right, now I'm yeah. on board. You got to watch. It's, it's, so, it's, 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 it's great because it's in the spirit of the first Karate Kid, which is, like, a teen comedy, basically. Right. And it's earnest. A teen and... coming-of-age comedy with karate. <laughs> right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, John Post, should we should we talk about since it is May? Here we go. Which means it is time for our second annual music May. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Hem. <clears throat> That's right. Music Mayhem has returned. And um last year I kicked us off with uh Green Day's Dookie. Uh, totally new albums this year. Yeah. And um, so uh, next week we're going to be talking about an album suggested by Father Chuck. Mm-hmm. Father Chuck, what album are we going to be listening to this week to kick off Music Mayhem? Uh, we are going to um, we are going to listen to um, um, 
dang it, I couldn't remember the name. I was going to say Creed. I was going to give you a Creed album. Just to be, <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest with you. I actually did think about like choosing like a Nickelback album or something <laughs> like kind of difficult for us. Yeah. Um, but since I'm kicking it off, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick something low hanging for, okay. for for me. But it's I think going to be good for conversation and. Right. General audiences will probably be familiar with it. And that is our album for next week is Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Nice. Awesome. Um, I mean, Featuring I know, The Chain. Uh, yeah. Which was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, I am very excited. I, I know that in our own private conversations over the past like year, I've talked a lot about this album. Um, yeah. But... Jealousy, uh, infighting, and an unbelievable amount of cocaine. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did read about the amounts of cocaine that they were doing while they were recording it. Yeah, I, I, I am a, I have it on vinyl, and I'm afraid to smell it because I'm worried that there is a, that <laughs> there is somehow cocaine coming through the grooves. It is so much. If you peel, peel back the label, there's a little little baggie in there. <laughs> Get a little bump. Just a little, just, just a little, little, right little ziplock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll be listening to Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Nice. So awesome. I'm excited. I can't wait to listen. I, I, I listened to it. As I said, the song uh, The Chain is featured on that album, which is using the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack from, from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, a song that I, I loved when I, when I heard it in the movie and also inspired me to listen to that uh, uh the Fleetwood Mac album for the first time. I'd actually never listened to Fleetwood Mac before in my life, except for uh, Gold Dust Woman. Also, song I really love. Also on Rumors. Is it really? Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I, I listened to most of that album um, when Guardians came out last year. So this will be fun. It'll be fun. Awesome. Yes, so, excited. folks, go out uh, on your YouTube machines or your Apple Music machines your iTunes, whatever, or be like and, Father, or be like Father Chuck and um, bust out your uh, your forty five pressing of it on your turntable. I mean, chances are, if you own vinyl, this is you probably need to own this. This is probably like an essential grail, right? I wouldn't, or I wouldn't say grail. I would say key, a key album. Yeah, I gotta say. Yeah. So let me let me. Uh, just, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, but I will say. So XM Radio, XM Sirius, Sirius XM Radio. Just they just kicked off a Fleetwood Mac channel. Channel 30. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and it started, uh, it started on, on Tuesday. And I, um, I was listening to it. Um, I've, well, I should say I've, that's all I've been listening to. And um, secondhand news came on, which is the first song off of Rumors. And I don't generally hear a lot of the Rumors stuff on the radio, but um, I heard it. And I got to say, the vinyl version sounds so much better. <laughs> Nice. Um, so, uh, but we well, but that that's near. That's it, regardless. Listen to the record; mm-hmm. it is excellent. Great, awesome. All right, you heard the man. Go out there, listen to rumors by Fleetwood Mac. We'll convene uh, next week, and we will be talking about that album. Yes. And then uh, we will be announcing our next album after that. And you know how the show goes. So, uh, Father Chuck, thank you so much. You're welcome. And uh, I can't thank Matt because he got bing bonged. And I, I hope I'm starting a meme with this bing pong thing. Like, I, I hope more people use it. 
Well, you start uh, using it in social media and all that. Let's let's try to get that out there because it it cool. definitely works better than getting than saying they got dusted or or Thanos or something. <laughs> Bing bong is way better. <laughs> all right, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, Chuck, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We hope you also enjoyed Avengers: Affinity War. Uh, have a wonderful week and good journey. Good journey.